just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your week's going well. Headed into a weekend. You know, I get a lot of people who don't necessarily listen to my podcast or watch the TikTok, just people in my life, and they'll say, why do you do this? I mean, why do you do all these TikToks and do all these podcasts? What's in it for you? And I'll be perfectly honest with you. uh, For me, it's almost cathartic. I watch what's going on in this country, the problems, the difficulties, the crimes, the corruption, and it gets me really annoyed. You feel like you want to just reach out and throttle somebody when they're doing the things that Republicans are doing, but clearly you can't do that. So at some point, I have to get it off my chest, and that's what I do with TikTok and podcast. I guess the whole point of it when I started wasn't necessarily to get followers or listeners. It was to have some kind of platform, small or big, and just say what I think and get it off my chest. And with any luck, other people would align with that attitude or have that same attitude and join in on the crowd. And that's kind of how it worked. But this whole process of talking to you here on the podcast and on TikToks and Instagram is very cathartic for me because I watch what's going on and too many people sit back and say, what can I do? I can't do anything. Well, the fact of the matter is I'm just one man. I can't do much, but I can do something. I can open my mouth, tell people facts, and show my anger and irritation with some of the things going on. What good will it do? I don't know. But it makes me feel better. And if more people just got it off their chest and spoke out, then we may have something here. We may have some power to make some changes. I feel like a lot of people are getting that way. People that wouldn't normally talk are now starting to talk. (laughs) Unfortunately, this country has been inhabited by a lot of uninformed people because they just weren't interested enough in what was going on in politics and how our country was being run. This is what we can thank Donald Trump for. Because he was so corrupt, so criminal, so egregious in the things he did, that woke up a lot of people that wouldn't normally be awake right now. It angered them, it scared them, and now they are speaking out. So in that sense, Donald Trump may have done this country a favor, but uh, the wreckage he lived this country in is troubling, and we've got a long way out because he's still sticking uh, in the middle of things here. I was talking to somebody I presumed was a Trump fan. Wouldn't admit they were a Trump fan, but the way they talked told me they were. And I brought something up, uh, something that he did. (laughs) And this person looked at me and says, why are we even still talking about Trump? He's not president anymore. He isn't doing anything. Why don't you just ignore him? And they said that to me seriously. And I looked at them and I said, look, he's not the president anymore. 
but he still has some power in your Republican Party. He's still controlling your Republican Party. So as long as he has control of Republicans, he is a problem to this country. Sure, you would love it if we just ignored him and let him do whatever he wants, but we can't afford to do that. He damaged this country so much that we've got to stay on it to make sure he doesn't crop back up like a bad fucking rash, because that's what he's doing. He's like eczema. It goes away a little bit, but then comes back. He's an irritant. He's a pest. He's a scourge on this society. Why do we talk about him still? Because he still has an impact on you Republicans and what you're trying to pull off, which is undermining democracy and almost treasonous. That's why we still talk about Donald Trump, so don't tell me not to talk about him. I'm going to until he's no longer a problem anymore. Either he's convicted or gets sick from some something from eating Big Macs all day. But until he's immobilized in terms of the world, in terms of uh, political issues, I'm going to keep still talking about him. Not only to make me feel better, but hopefully to get somebody to hear it and actually feel the same way I do. If we get enough of those folks, maybe we can accomplish something. This is what the Republicans do. They yap and they yap and they yap and they repeat and they lie and they yap and they repeat. They do it so much until it gets believed by so many people. So why don't we take that uh, note and use it to our advantage? If we do what they do by keeping talking about it, keeping it in the forefront, pointing things out, exposing people for who, what, what they are, maybe we can accomplish the same thing the Republicans have done to put themselves in a position to destroy this country. We've got to turn this around, and if we don't, we're in some deep trouble. <laughs> so why do I still talk about Donald Trump? Indeed. Don't try to get me to stop until he's done. Then I'll be done with Donald Trump. Now, on this show, we don't talk about entertainment news too much, but it's hard not to when entertainment news of sorts is the big news story today. Of course, of course, we've all heard about this movie that's being filmed in New Mexico, a movie called Rust, being produced and starred in by Alec Baldwin. Of course, we heard the tragic news today that Alec Baldwin, while using what he thought was a prop gun, shot the director of photography of the film, killed her, and wounded the director of the film. Now, this all sounds way too weird. How does that happen? I mean, how many movies are shot with prop guns and nothing ever happens? And everything I've heard about the movie industry, they take very, very good care of those guns. They're very safety conscious because even an unloaded gun can be dangerous if you don't know it's loaded. And clearly that's what happened here. Now, the interesting thing about this story I've read is that a couple of days before, some of the crew who came from Hollywood walked off the set because they were concerned with safety issues. Now, I don't know what those safety issues were, but they walked off. They said, no, I'm not going to do this because it's not safe. So while they're under the gun for time and money and such, they brought in some local crew, people from New Mexico, to work on 
the, uh, the movie. And then a couple of days later, we have this tragedy. Alec Baldwin shoots a prop gun, kills one person, wounds another person. And if you saw the video or the pictures of Alec Baldwin after the fact, you can see that he's literally destroyed. He's uh, emotional, upset, and destroyed. Now, Alec Baldwin had no intention of shooting and killing anybody. That would be ridiculous. But he didn't handle the guns prior to him having it in his hands. There are people in the crew that do that, that cover the safety issues. Now, are all the safety issues being handled? Well, I don't know. Because, as I said, we had a bunch of the crew just walk off the set because they were concerned. Bring in the locals, and then we have a gunshot. Now, this woman who died and the man that was wounded, was they were, they were shot with a live round, meaning a real bullet, not a blank. Now, in these guns, typically they are blanks, and, and what I understand those blanks to be are the shell with no, uh, no lead on the end, no projectile, just an open shell with about a quarter of the gunpowder you would have in a normal gun. So if you're up close with somebody and you're shooting them, even though there's no projectile, there is gunpowder and sparks and those sorts of things that come out. So you still have to be very careful. But somehow in this case, in this case, there was a projectile as if it were a live bullet. Now, I heard an interesting explanation. You remember when Brandon Lee was killed with a gun on the movie set of The Crow? As I understand it, there can be mistakes that are made. And I, now I don't know what happened here, but the way the death of Brandon Lee was explained was there are two kinds of, two kinds of shells when they're using it on the, on the set. So like if you're in the process of taking a shot where you're showing somebody loading the gun, you have to have a bullet that looks like a bullet, which would have a lead projectile on the end. Now, even if this wouldn't be really attached or anything like that, or it's just lightly set in there, you put that in the gun. You take the shoot. You take the, sh- you take the uh, film of it so you can make it look like they were loading a gun. And then you pull the shell out and replace it with a blank. Only in Brandon Lee's situation, what happened was that projectile, that end of the bullet that was first put in to make it look like a real bullet, got stuck in the uh, barrel. And then they put the blank in, it exploded, and it shot that projectile at Brandon Lee, and that's what killed him. Now, that was an accident, but clearly it was sloppy. Because after you pull that first bullet out, you should take a close look to see if that projectile came with it. I mean, it should. It should be common sense that it would, but clearly in that case it didn't. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened with Alec Baldwin, but mistakes can happen. And unfortunately, when they do, people die. And that's a scary situation. I feel for Alec Baldwin because he's going to suffer with this for the rest of his life. It might change everything with him from here on out. And then the people who lost uh, their loved one, the director of photography, 
and the gentleman that was wounded. Who knows what his wounds amount to and how much damage it's going to be. So there's going to be an investigation. It doesn't sound like there's going to be any criminal charges here, but there's certainly probably going to be some civil charges and some lawsuits and that sort of thing. I don't know that Alec Baldwin is going to be responsible for any of that, Uh, but he was producer of the film, so he may pay in the end anyway. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's a sad day uh, in New Mexico and for the families of the people in the movie, the woman that died, the director that was wounded, and frankly for Alec Baldwin's family. Their lives have changed completely. So this is something we've got to watch and see how it goes. Something's fishy here. I hope it's not a criminal thing, but remember, you brought in these locals to be on the crew. Maybe you didn't know who you were bringing in. You don't know what the intentions of some people are. And if somebody criminally put a live round in the gun without Alec Baldwin knowing, we've got an entirely different situation. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how it shakes out. But it is a tragic day for those folks in New Mexico. Well, there is a, uh, a lot of talk about the infrastructure, the infrastructure bipartisan bill and the Build Back Better Reconciliation Bill. They've been going back and forth and back and forth for months on this thing. As I've said, uh, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, the uh, Democrats, have been the stumbling blocks here. and They've been going back and forth and back and forth. For the longest time, we didn't know what they didn't like about the bill. But uh, last night, on or the night before, when Joe Biden did the uh, town hall meeting, he called out cinema and he called out Manchin and explained exactly what they don't like in the bill. And it's interesting, it's compelling, and it's a little upsetting. Now, Christian Cinema, who is a big fan of green energy and that sort of thing, doesn't like the idea of taxing corporations or rich people. Now, you have people back in Arizona struggling, and you're going to take their help away just so we don't tax corporations and rich people. Even though we recently found out they paid little, if any, taxes. They've got loopholes and strategies around it. Why in the world would Kristen Cinema want to continue to give them the break and help them make as much money as they do? Well, the only possibility is that she's getting money from big corporations to protect them. But the fact of the matter is, when she was elected, she was elected to protect the people she represents. And in this case, she doesn't do that. Joe Biden wanted to expose this to add more heat to Christian cinema and mansion. More heat than they're already getting. They're getting a lot of heat. This might make it easier to negotiate with them. Now, Senator Manchin doesn't like the climate change issue. We've talked about this before. And why doesn't he like the climate change industry or climate change part of the bill? Because he lives in a state that uh, is largely run by the coal industry, which would be 
absolutely the opposite of green, green energy. Joe Manchin is also the biggest recipient of money from big oil. And again, his job is to uh, protect his constituents. And frankly, in West Virginia, they need a lot of help. A lot of things in that reconciliation bill would be a huge win for people in his state. But instead, he's siding with big oil and the coal industry. You see the common thread here? These people are representatives of their states and of the people in those states, but instead they are protecting and helping the people with big money. That states exactly who these people are. And if that isn't upsetting to their constituents, I don't know what should be. There's no way to explain not giving help to the people that voted him in and helping the people that are already fucking rich and don't pay taxes. So Joe Biden mentioned that in that town hall meeting. Hopefully that puts more pressure on those two clowns and we get somewhere. Well, the fact of the matter is, it sounds like we may be getting somewhere on that. You have the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. That seems to be set, has been set for some time. The $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill has been chiseled down to about $2 trillion. But it looks like they're pretty close to getting something done. I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. But as I've said before, we've got... uh, Joe Biden, who was in the Senate for 37 years, he knows a little bit about negotiating deals and finding ways to make things happen. And it's absolutely crucial that he makes these two things happen. It's going to do a lot of good for the country and for the people in it. It's going to make heading toward 2022 a lot easier on the Democrats. Of course, he's always still has some other problems he needs to attend to that people are worried about him not attending to. Getting to the border. They want him down there. Passing the voters' rights bill. That's crucial. And the thing about it is, is Joe's got a lot of things on his plate. He had the West Coast burning. We had floods and hurricanes down in the south. We have voter suppression laws. We have all the things going on in Texas. We've got the infrastructure bills. We've got voter rights bills. It's impossible to take everything on at once. And to be perfectly honest with you, and this is good advice for anybody, when you seem overwhelmed with something and you've got a ton of things to do, the natural reaction is to take them all on and try to get them done as fast as possible. Well, that's a sure way to do a shitty job on all of them. So the better choice is to pick one thing, get it done. Pick another thing, get it done. Pick another thing, get it done. It may not go as fast as you think it would if you took it all on at one time, but at least it'll be done right. And in the end, you'll be happier with what you're left with. And that's essentially what Joe Biden is doing. He's got to play some games. He's got to pull some leverage. He's got to strategize and negotiate these things. You don't want to get too many things going to confuse the issue. Let me give you a better example. When I was in the business world selling wholesale liquidation truckloads to people, I'd have people call me and say, Mike, I've got 10 truckloads of this. 
can you find a buyer for it? I'd go find a buyer, negotiate the deal, get it done, make everybody happy, make a little money on the side. Inevitably, what would happen is if I had a company who said at a truckload of XYZ products and they say they want me to sell it, and I find somebody very quickly and they say, yeah, I'll buy it. The people selling get excited and they'll say to me, well, why don't you ask them if you'll buy this or buy that or buy this? I said, no, I'm not doing that. Once we have a deal... In theory, we execute that deal, get the money, get it delivered, then we'll talk about other things. Because once you introduce other things into a deal, it confuses the situation. It changes the mindset of the people that are buying. If they're ready to buy, get it done, take their money, deliver the product, and then move on to the next thing. But people are greedy and they're excitable and stuff. And they think, well, if you'll buy this, you'll buy that and that and that. Never how it works. It always confuses the situation. And Joe Biden's in the same thing. He's dealing with senators and he's dealing with representatives and uh, he's dealing with the people. He's got one deal close for two bills. He's really got to focus on that and not get distracted by other shit. Not get greedy by saying, well, we got this, we'll throw this in and we'll throw that. You can't do that. Because once you have a buyer, and the buyer in this case is Mansion and Cinema, once you got them to say, yes, you need to complete the deal as quickly as possible. Because anything can change things. I've always said the longer it takes a deal to get done, the less likely it's going to get done. So if you've got Mansion and Cinema on board, cut that deal, get the money, and get it on the books. And then worry about the other things. Get the sale, get the deal, and then worry about the other things. I've done this a million times in my business. I understand what Joe Biden's doing. He's got to focus on this to get this done. This is absolutely crucial to his administration and to the 2022 election. Granted, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done, but if you want it done right and you want it done in your favor, do it one at a time. And that's what Joe Biden's doing. And we're hearing now that there's a chance that they will vote on these bills come next week. So it's very close to getting these bills done. How they will look in the end, I don't know. Honestly, don't know. But the bottom line is he needs to get the deals done. As I've said before, if he gets the deals done, it'll be great for the Democrats. Make it better in 2022. Use that to get a step closer to having more power in Washington, D.C. Once you have that power, then you can do whatever you want. But if you fail on these two bills, you aren't going to be able to do nothing. You're going to be able to do nothing. You're going to be shut down, stymied, just like Obama was in his uh, term by the Republicans. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So I've come to the point where I just can't even be in the proximity 
of these fucking Trumplicans. I can't even be close. I mean, I run into people who claim they don't like Donald Trump, but everything they say, everything they espouse is a Trumplican mantra. It's racist. It's violent. It's treasonous. So you can tell me you don't like Donald Trump, but if you're talking that way, you're still a big problem. The problem here is, is when I'm around these people, I picture them as bullies, and I hate bullies. So when I see these bullies, I know in my mind the only real way to handle a bully is to give them exactly what they give you. And that could be in your face, ranting and raving, maybe even threats. But sometimes with bullies, you even have to slap them in the mouth to shut them up and get them to step back and quit. Because these people can't understand anything but the violence they're threatening. And that's unfortunate. I'm not a violent guy. I haven't been in a fight of any kind since junior high school or high school. 61 years old. I'm out of shape. I'm not the kind of guy that should be fighting. And even if I was in shape and younger, it would have been a stupid thing to do. So I'm smart enough to know not to do that. But still, I get that thing roiling in my body that I just want to throttle this person and just take them out some way to get them to stop. I feel like you've got to shake these people for them to understand anything. If you can't beat them with logic, apparently you have to beat them with force. And I don't like feeling that way because I'm not the kind of guy that's going to do something like that. I'm not in the position to do it now, and I'm smarter than that, so I would never do it. So the only thing I can hope for is to stay away from these fucks because I don't like that feeling. At that point, I feel a little helpless because I can't. know I can't resort to the things I want to resort to. So what can I do except sit there and argue with them? Problem with that is they don't listen to reason. They don't understand facts. And you can't convince them of anything. So it's a no-win situation. Now, the reason I got thinking about this is because of something I heard on the news and on Instagram. There is a representative, Eric Swalwell, from the House of Representatives. And he got a voicemail from an irate Trumplafuck. And it's appalling to listen to. Now, the reason this Trumplafuck decided to call and leave a message was because he was watching Tucker Carlson. Now, we know everything on Tucker Carlson is absolutely the truth, unless you ask Tucker Carlson, and he will say, well, you wouldn't think anybody would believe what I would say. At least that's what he used when he was trying to get out of a lawsuit. But anyway, on uh, Tucker Carlson, he stated that Eric Swalwell said that uh, Ashley Babbitt, the woman that was shot at the insurrection, the cop that shot her is a hero. Now, this pissed off this Trumplican. He calls up. He's ranting. He's raving. He's threatening. He's using homophobic words. He's using racist words. He is just droning on and on with his threats, and he thinks he's so smart and so tough. When I hear people like that, you want to just grab them by the hair and knock the son bitch down. But unfortunately, you can't because, first of all, this guy's on the phone. He's the equivalent of the guy in high school that is in the back seat of a car that's racing away, screaming that he's going to kick your ass. Yeah, he's a brave motherfucker. But he's also a stupid motherfucker. 
Because think about this. You get on the phone, leave a voicemail message to a sitting congressman, and you threaten his life. You think you're going to get a call from the FBI? Yeah, I think so. Or the Secret Service or whoever. Because when he made that call, his voice is right there. And the phone number was obviously recorded. It's not going to be hard to track this down. But this guy is so irate, so mad that he is stupid on top of it. He's put himself in jail because of his ignorance. But since he got so mad because... Tucker Carlson said Eric Swalwell said that the cop that shot Ashley Babbitt is a hero. Since that made him so mad, I thought I'd dig into that. Let's talk about it. We have an insurrection being forced upon our U.S. Capitol. At one door, you have a few hundred people pounding on the doors, breaking the windows. Ashley Babbitt is there. They finally break through one of the windows. She gets helped up, starts heading through the window to go into the Capitol. They're screaming they're going to hang Mike Pence. They're going to kill Nancy Pelosi. They're trying to overturn election. Stop the legal certification of an election. So she climbs in the window, cop steps up, shoots her, she goes down and dies. Now they will tell you that she's a former veteran and she was unarmed. So this poor innocent girl was shot by this mean cop. I disagree. She was attacking this country. She was threatening violence to people inside the building. She's a criminal. And the fact that she was breaking and entering, she deserved and should have known that she was going to be shot. Now, the cop, heroic for shooting her, I don't know if he's heroic for shooting her, but he is heroic for standing there with these throngs of people trying to break in the building, and they've got a few cops standing there, and they don't run away. They stand right there trying to do their job to protect the building and the people in it. So in that regard, he is without question a hero. He's extremely brave. Ashley Babbitt is not a hero. She's not brave. She was an animal who got exactly what she deserved. Now, when Trumplicans ask me about this and try to argue with me, well, she's just an innocent girl and she wasn't armed. I usually put it to them this way. Okay, imagine this. You're sitting at home, on your couch, in your underwear, as you usually would be, sipping on your ninth beer, minding your own business. And then all of a sudden, somebody crashes through your window of your home and says to you, I'm going to kill you and makes all kinds of threats. Just one guy. What are you as a Trumplican going to do? Well, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to exercise your Second Amendment. You're going to run to the broom closet, grab your AR-15, and shoot this person. But then you find out this person isn't armed. Do you feel guilty? Do you feel sad that you did the wrong thing? No. You think to yourself, they broke into my house, they deserve to die, and they died. And you'd be right. That would be a perfectly legal act, given that circumstance. So please tell me how that's different than Ashley Babbitt breaking into the U.S. Capitol, trying to create an insurrection, threatening to kill people, public 
people in the building and trying to stop a legal certification of the election. How is that different? Well, it's not different. It's not different at all. So your argument is ridiculous. It's stupid, just like everything you say. See, that's the frustrating part of this. And when these people start talking about a civil war and fighting and stuff, I laugh at them because they couldn't do anything, and they're used to making threats and never following through with them. But I worry at some point that these people continue to do what they do. It may end up in violence, but it may be the Democratic side that comes after these people because they're so tired of the bullshit. I don't want to see that, but I understand it. Because if you can't talk to them, you can't work it out, you can't apply logic or facts or truth, and they won't accept it, what else is there left to do? As long as they keep doing what they're doing and harming the country in the process, you got to do something. I don't want to see anything resort to violence. It's just not a good move no matter what. No one wins in that situation. Somehow we've got to uh, dilute or or um, put down these people, stop the rhetoric, stop the activities, stop the lies and the stupidity. We can't let this continue in this country because we're going to have problems for a long time as long as we allow it to happen. This is a difficult time. We haven't fully made the transition from crazy, treasonous to normal. We're better off because of what we have in Congress and who we have in the White House. But we're not all the way done yet. And I don't know how that's going to turn out. And I am concerned that there might be some violence involved. But it's not going to be the way that, uh, that the Trumplicans think. They don't have enough of them to fight back if the Democrats and the government decide, all right, we're sick of this shit, we're going to put them down. I don't think you'll see them try to do an insurrection again because they know they don't have a chance. The National Guard won't be muted, won't be held back, won't be delayed. They will be out there. And if any of these people show any kind of violence, there's going to be serious action taken against them. And then they'll cry and whine how they're being mistreated. Well, fuck you. You're like the people breaking into somebody's home. You do that again, expect to be killed because people are getting tired of it and they're scared of what is going on in this country. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was this new social media platform with Donald Trump. Now, he's been kicked off of every social media platform there is, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, you know, whatever. He can't get on anything. And he thinks it's terrible that they're just just uh, prejudiced against him. Why can't he get on? Well, the fact of the matter is, Donald, you fucking lie. You incite violence. You create problems. And while you think you have a First Amendment right, the fact of the matter is that only applies to the government trying to mute you. 
Private organizations, private companies can make any rules they like and they can kick you off. And they did. And the idea that you're going to get back on them is ridiculous. It's not going to happen. You can't be trusted. So now he finally starts off with a, his own social media platform. It's called Truth Social, which is ridiculous. But before he even gets started, things start falling to shit. First of all, a lot of investors in this platform had no idea that Donald Trump was going to be involved. And now that they do, they're not happy about it. They don't want to be tied to Donald Trump. They know it's going to affect the rest of their businesses. So they're mad about putting their money into this. Now, I don't know if they can get their money out, but they certainly aren't going to put more money in. And Donald Trump isn't good with running businesses where he can't get money from the outside because he doesn't have the ability or the savvy to earn money himself. The interesting thing about this platform, before it was even gone live, it was hacked by Anonymous. There was a bunch of uh, fake Profiles made of Bannon, of Trump, and all that sort of stuff. They made them look foolish before it even started. As I understand this, this is a very simple platform. It might even be uh, open to a lot of people. They don't have the money to build something on their own, so they took something that exists, and it's a pretty cheap, low-end version of Twitter or Facebook or whatever. So as soon as they heard about this, Anonymous comes along and hacks these motherfuckers. And that doesn't look like a very positive thing for the future of this personal social media account for Donald Trump. And let's be honest, everything that Donald Trump has been involved in, everything he's been involved in, has been a failure. Casinos, stakes, colleges. His hotels are losing money hand over fist as we speak. He's trying to sell his Washington, D.C. hotel lease because he lost $70 million. Donald Trump and his organization are hemorrhaging money, not to mention the fact that his organization has been indicted. And that may ultimately be the end of the Trump organization. Now, he started another company when he started with this online um, <clears throat> social media platform. But it's not going to work. As I said in a previous podcast, this, this uh, platform is going to be taken public. And it will probably be successful, financially anyway, in the beginning. But when it starts up and it's continually hacked and it's stupid and it doesn't work and Donald Trump says the shit he says, it's going to all fall apart just like everything Donald Trump has ever done. So be watching for that. You want to think about uh, what you've seen in the past and know what you can expect out of this social media platform, Truth Social. Funny thing is, when you go on this app, chances are you're not going to hear any truth. I don't know if that title is meant to be ironic or what, but it's going to be a joke. 
and it's not going to work. And a lot of people are going to lose money, like everybody does with Donald Trump, and they're going to be pissed. I want to talk about one last thing, because I keep hearing this ranted over and over by Trumplicans, and uh, I know people have tried to explain it to them, tried to clarify what really is going on, and they don't listen. So in case you've heard these claims and don't understand how they quite work, I'll try to explain it to you. First of all, you get Trump looking saying, how you like the gas prices? Gas prices are going up. (laughs) Well, here's what you need to know. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, nor any president of the United States has anything to do with gas prices. Zero to do with gas prices. The gas prices are come up with through supply and demand. If you have a lot of supply, then the product is cheaper. If you have less product available and the demand is high, then the prices are higher. It's very simple. It's how our free market works, supply and demand. So you're probably wondering why there's less supply now than there has been in the past. I'll get to that. And speaking of supply, let's talk about supply chain products that are trying to get into this country, and they're having a difficult time doing that. The product's there, it's in the bay, but they're having trouble getting it to the shelves for some reason. Now, you need to know why this is happening. It has nothing to do with Joe Biden. Fact is, it doesn't have anything to do with Donald Trump. Whenever you have a major event in a country, like, say, World War I, World War II, or the pandemic. Because remember, there are more people that died in the pandemic than ever died in World War II. So this is a serious thing. Now, during these big events, demand goes down for any number of reasons. So the people, the suppliers, are then starting to adjust. They don't want to keep sending product over if nobody's buying it because it's going to cost them money. So they pair back their supply routes, their supply channels. Okay, so the event comes to an end. Everybody goes, oh, great, it's back to normal. Now we're going to start buying again. So they do. Now what happens is we got a lot of people wanting to buy stuff, and the supply is lower than it was before the pandemic because people weren't buying during that time period. Then you throw in the fact that we've got this great resignation going on. You don't have enough people to unload the boats. You don't have enough people to drive trucks to move the product. It's gotten so bad that now they're allowing 18-year-olds to train and become truck drivers, and hopefully that will be helpful, and hopefully it'll give young people a chance to have real careers and make real money. But this is why it's happening. As far as why people aren't going back to work, it's funny. All the Trumplicans would want you to believe that once they stop getting the free money from the federal government for unemployment, everybody will go back to work. Well, it didn't happen. 
I think a lot of things happened during this pandemic. A lot of people retired uh, instead of waiting around to go back. I think a lot of people just got tired of getting paid for shit, for working their asses off. They want better for themselves. And nobody can deny them that right. So now we've got a bunch of people that are looking to hire people so they can run their companies. I went by a caribou in my town. And caribou shuts down at noon now because they don't have enough people working. Went to a Dollar Tree at 2 o'clock. It was shut down because not enough people working. This is going to change a lot in our marketplace. Everybody whined and cried about why we can't pay people $15 an hour minimum wage. Well, that's going to change. If they want to run their businesses and get people to work for them, they're going to have to treat them better and pay them more money. So the free market is going to determine what these people are worth. And let's be honest, right now, the current conditions, they're worth a lot more than they were prior to the pandemic. Finally, workers have some leverage. They don't have to just feel lucky to have any job, even if it doesn't pay for shit. No, they want better for themselves. And the people of this country should have better for themselves. I told somebody once recently, I said, look, do you believe that anybody working full time shouldn't get a livable wage? He said, I don't think everybody should get a livable wage just because they work full time. Really? Then what should they do? If there's somebody who's working in a Burger King or a McDonald's and they are working full time but don't have a livable wage, how do you expect them to survive? And if they aren't getting paid a livable wage, what do you think is going to happen? Well, they're going to have to be subsidized by the government. I know you don't like that shit. So doesn't it make sense that people pay more money? If people running businesses like McDonald's, Burger King, or even small companies can't pay people a livable wage, then their company, their business, isn't a sustainable business. Your business model is bad. You're going to have to rethink it. You don't just get to hire slave labor, make all kinds of money, and treat your people like shit anymore. Nobody's going to tolerate it. So it's, that's what we're talking about with the gas prices. And that's what we're talking about the supply chain. It's not Joe Biden's fault. It's not even Donald Trump's fault. Never a president has impacted the price of oil. It's all about supply and demand. And same with our supply chain. It's going to take some time, but it will get back to normal. Inflation will drop and the shelves will be filled again. These people are in business to make money. They will figure out a way to get the product to the shelves. They're not just going to sit on their hands and hope for something good to come along. They have to figure it out. And that's what happens in business. You have a business. You're trying to earn money. If you're not earning money or you're not getting people to hire, then you have to figure it out or go the fuck out of business. I've been in business for myself. It's a uh, ruthless uh, ruthless thing to be involved in. You either make money or you die. 
And if some companies end up failing because of this, because they can't adjust or they're sticking to the fact that they can't pay people a livable wage, well, too fucking bad. You're out of business and you should be because you got in this in the wrong sense about how to run a company. All right. We're going to wrap things up and uh, we will be back with you very soon. Don't forget, if you want to make a comment, ask a question, complain, whatever you want to do, you can email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com or you can go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer and leave me a voicemail. Love to hear from you. Please, by all means, don't hesitate to get in touch with me. Reach out to me. I like to hear what you're thinking and what you have to say. So let's wrap it up and we'll do this again very quickly. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.